uh, what else was there? Oh, just talk about those metric Ford LTD wheels I, was, I sent you a photo of. Yep. Just yep. saying how st- fucking stupid they were. Simo and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. G'day, Redman. G'day, folks. Welcome to episode 19. How's it all going for you? <laughs> I just want to say touche on the t-shirt you've worn into the podcast. I forgot about what we spoke about in episode 18. Oh. Simon is wearing his I'm with stupid t-shirt and it points toward me. You got me. I'll play it. Done. Well, you know, I figured I'd have to get in while I could. You know, it's just how it is, I suppose. I mean, your shirt says yeah. I'm with stinky, so I think you just palmed me off on that one straight away. Anyway, you win. If you don't take that T-shirt off before St. Lucy comes and picks you up, you might be sleeping in Blue Crush tonight. That <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Hey, um, I've got to say, I was watching the video this morning you posted on Instagram, and just, I guess, look, let's be honest, we don't record this on the day you guys are listening to it. Today is like the 30th of September, so we're like two weeks in advance. Um, the video you, you put up on Instagram this morning on our page at the Thong Slappers of you hungover getting ready to join me in the podcastle. I've got to say, mate, I pissed myself laughing. It was pretty funny. So are you actually hungover, hungover still, or did the cold coffee get you back and sorted? I was as blind as a welder's dog last night. Fuck, it wasn't good. But no, the coffee didn't have any effect at all. It was normally it's pretty good, but nothing seemed to, uh, to jar me out of that one. And not even Dolly Parton's great, great music. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that got me. That sort of stuck that song in my head now for the rest of the day. So that happens with the earworms, doesn't it? It does. That is exactly what they are too. So was last night a, uh, like I know you went to that, was it the motorbikes and... Oh, what do they call it? Bikes and balls or something? It's like a cross well, between. Bikes, yeah, it's very unique actually. It's a little a little uh, event that they hold. They must kind of run. Well, it's a couple of weeks before PBR day, so it's a little bit ahead of them. It's not affiliated, and they got the freestyle motocross guys there. And yeah. the guy done a front flip. There's only been there's not it's not that common of a trick, and that's the only trick that he done. But at the end of it, it was really cool. They got the bulls. They got a guy to ride a bull, and they jump the motorbikes over the top of it and let the fire crack as it goes. So if the bulls aren't pissed off enough already by having a big sling across their nuts, they get scared even more by a motorbike revving their t- revving its tits off over the top of them. Is that pretty much how it goes? It was. It's pretty funny because it's kind of staged. These guys do this a lot. But one of the motocross uh, freestyle guys just can't think of his name at the moment. He goes down and says to the cowboys, and he's genuine. He goes, I'll ride the fucking thing. So he gets on a bull. He does a couple of really cool tricks on his dirt bike, big massive yeah. jumps. Yeah, and he gets on a bull and just gets fucking smoked. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the riders, one of the young cowboys, the youngest rider in the in the field, a sixteen year old bull rider. Yeah. Last week or the week before, won the Australian welterweight, Australian title. So he's a so my guy. Oh well, fuck, I've won that. Might go ride a bull now. What's next? Fucking powerline bolt or some shit. So basically, if the bull throws him off, he just gets up and gives it a snot across the face or something. Hey, um, mate. Kicking on with episode 19, we've got a bit to cover off on today. So I think to start with, there was just a few little drips and drabs in 983 didn't quite get to in the last, 
I guess, couple of episodes, but that's pretty stock standard. It's pretty normal for us, isn't it? But um, I, I wanted to kick off uh, before we, I guess, do our Street Machine review as well. I just want to have a quick chat about a couple of songs that we just didn't cover off and which really we need to make sure we put out there that we acknowledge that they existed in 1983. First up was Australiana by Ostentatious. You know, with that sort of that monologue that he released. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It's very good. He's excellent. Yeah, and that's kind of one of those things like um, it's hard not to sort of say lines out of that out of that song. Well, let's just call it a song because it's just easier than trying to call it a monologue or whatever the fuck else you want to call it. We'll just call it a song for the ease of it. Saying the lines out of it, like, yeah, thanks, Waratah. Like, I'll go with dingoes and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's pretty clever. And um, I don't know. It's, it's just sort of hard to believe it's been that long. It's been 35 years since it was released. You missed the best line. She's probably seen a cockatoo. <laughs> So anyway, uh, look, it's something I had a, a, a re-listen slash watch of it on YouTube the other night and pissed myself laughing just like I did the first time I heard it. But it was kind of funny. You don't you don't see or hear a lot of those sort of, I guess, comedic songs or monologues nowadays. And especially at that time, we had that song, of course, Australiana. And it wasn't long after, it would have been within a year, George Smilovich, he released I'm Tough. And that was another classic. I had to listen to that too as well. And that's got a really funny film clip that goes with it. So, I don't know. I, probably the best thing about that I'm Tough, it actually knocks Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You song off the number one spot for the chart. So, he probably does all a favour by that happening anyway. But that I'm Tough, that actually charted top of the music charts in Australia and New Zealand, but also top of the comedy charts in America. So, it was pretty successful, hey? Like, it did pretty well considering, like, what it was, and it's a bit of a laugh. So, no, I had a good chuckle listening to that again anyway. They're very successful, uh, that genre of comedy, spoken word comedy, and, and piss takes and parodies and, and satire in the musical. And what we'll say, they're selling it. You know, that, that's how it is packaged and sold. Billy Birmingham sells heaps with all these, you know, he takes the piss out of all the cricketers and all that stuff. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Billy Birmingham, I got that right? I think, yeah, I think that's who it is. Um, Shut Up In Your Face, remember that one? Yeah, yeah. A heap of old uh, parody songs stuff because everybody's got a sense of humour, but not everybody likes uh, pop or jazz or you can't pick a genre and sell it. It's pop music itself, but basically it's getting bought from people back then, people between 14 and, and 19. But a comedy thing is, you know, people can play it at parties, they can play it in their car. So that's why it sells so good because it crosses the genres so well and, and uh, everybody loves satire anyway. So, you know, beat it, Weird Al Yankovic in the later months. Oh, and- didn't he just smash it out of the park over the years with some cool ones as well, cool versions. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Billy Birmingham. He was actually the guy who wrote Australiana for Ostentatious as well. So was Shut Up Your Face, was that written, was that Jojo Zepp and the Falcons, as in Joe Camilleri before he was with the Black Sorrows? Is that the same Joe, or am I just totally fucking this up? No, it was Joe Dulcey, I think the guy's name was. I used to have the single somewhere, and fuck, you remember that song, Vienna? It came out at the same time, Ultra Fox, you know, that real wispy kind of, Vienna, like that, but in tune. Yeah, yeah. That song yeah. that came out, it shut your face, knocked that out of number one, if I remember. Shit, so that must be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The main players in that kind of satire and stuff, as I spoke about before, in the musical comedy stuff, we can't forget Rodney Roode and Kevin Wilson. They yeah, for they sure. Yeah. Very good, uh, Kevin Wilson. <laughs> and still funny listening to that stuff yep. now. I heard a story from some of the miners in WA. So I've got some friends, young fellas, who are miners in WA, and somehow, because they, they make a decent living, they managed to get Kevin Wilson to play someone's 21st. So that just, it would have been, I think they offered him just cash playing back. So he just done it. I may have mentioned this before, but the guys also told me, I have seen it on the telephone, but 15 phones ago I got it, 
at the end of the yeah. night, even he was drunk. Everyone was really drunk, and he just started playing really beautifully Slim Dusty songs. He's just like, fuck it, I'm not doing Kevin Wilson now. I'm just going to play some music for you fellas. And he played four or five beautiful Slim Dusty songs. Man, wouldn't that be a sight to see Kevin Bloody Wilson playing awesome versions of Slim Dusty? You just wouldn't pick it, would you? Well, they had a little stage set up for this guy's 21st, but he was just sitting off to the left there somewhere. And, you know, he must have said, right, let's put Kevin Wilson up. And now I'll do my stuff. You know, I'll just do some, some Slim Dusty. And, well, like 15 telephones go, I don't know how to back shit up or whatever. I've got no fucking idea with a telephone. <laughs> so your yarn exists. So the good the yarn can the yarn will do the same. Well, that's right. And look, at the end of the day, I back phones up all the time. But how often do I go back looking through all that shit and eating any of it? Pretty much never touch wood. That I've just said that. I'll probably fuck something up with my new phone. Well, I'm actually on my spare phone seeing the new one went through the washing machine. You know what the dumbest part of that whole thing was? I took it out of my pocket so I could chuck my clothes in the wash. So I'm holding my phone and I'm holding all the clothes I need to chuck in the wash. I just chucked the whole fucking lot in, including my phone. So instead of the phone being in my pocket, it just got thrown in with everything else. And, oh, mate, anyway, what do you do? What was the one single word that you said repeatedly after doing that? Fuck. It was just because the phone was a week old. You know, it's sort of like, it's like as if you'd driven an HQ for 30 years and the thing's mint. And then you go buy a brand new car, like you buy a brand new VZ, and it gets pranged within a week. It was that sort of situation. But so I'm back to the HQ, and it's still it's still trucking along all right. It's a bit cracked, a bit damaged here and there, but so anyway. No, it is funny that sort of stuff with songs, and it's so cool now. Something I guess that we never really got to do unless you were prepared to sit up and watch Rage all night is the fact that you can just jump onto YouTube or jump onto the internet and just search these songs and stuff that you want to see or you haven't seen for a long time and it's there ready to play like we do that a lot we just put on like an 80s mix on YouTube and um, let it go and that's the background music for the day so it works out pretty well yeah. So do I. The only thing that I haven't been able to find on the internet, I've asked you about this, I might ask them what's out there. The only thing I can't find is a photo of the yeah. auger bull bars, the bull bars that were the, like the tubes. They're like Yeah. Big. I spoke to you about this before. I cannot find that on the internet. I've put auger bull bars, 80 bull bars. I've put everything and I can't find it. Actually, semi-retired bricklayer's got a good side. I might direct message him and see if he can find it. Yeah, that's right. He digs up a lot of old stuff, but I know exactly the bull bars you mean. They kind of look like fluorescent tubes bolted to the front of your car. Yes. That clear plastic yes. stuff. My dad had a Sigma wagon with one of those on years ago. So I don't actually for- know what it's supposed to repel, but... No, yeah. if you full frontal head on the blowfly, it doesn't kill the blowfly. Oh, okay. So it's like a hippie-style thing. It's environmentally friendly, so it actually looks after animals instead of hurting them. Yes, Oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Hey, speaking of weird 1980s designs, like such as that orange plastic tube bull bar, this is going to test your memory, okay? So we're going back basically 83, 84, might sneak into a bit of 984 there. And on the Ford LTDs and Fairlanes, you could get a fucking metric wheel. It was like a metric wheel and tyre. Do you remember those? They used like a pretty much a one-off type tire. It was an alloy wheel. It used to get on like the FD LTDs mainly, and it used a 390 size tire. It was a metric Michelin TRX tire. Like yeah, right. Oh, cool. No, I don't I, remember. That's a bit. Of- I remember when I was an apprentice, we used to do work on one of these things, and I'm looking at the tire, and I just couldn't make sense of it. And I said to my boss, I said, "What's the go with this? It's like it's like a 390." It's obviously not 390 wide. 
And he goes, no, mate. He goes, no, these are some weird-ass freaking metric wheel. And I mean, you, the fact you don't see him every day would have got to the point where it would have been easier just for people to put different, even like standard wheels or the, the different type of Ford wheels. There'd be plenty of options to put on it. But that would probably be a bit of a purist thing nowadays if you were actually restoring an LTD from that era or a ZK Fairlane or something like that that they may be pretty sought after, but I imagine getting tyres would be pretty hard. I think it was only Michelin that made them. For all intents and purposes, they just look like a 15-inch wheel, but there's a slight difference that you can't swap the tyres between them or anything like that, of course. So, mate, wouldn't it just it'd be weird? But anyway, I don't know. It's well, probably that... like those twin tyres you used to get where they'd have, like, literally two tyres on the single rim. I'm not talking, like, Plankman Awesome style where you just weld two HK rims together and put a, a winter tread and a summer tread on them on the back. As in literally like two, motor, almost like motorbike width tires on a single rim. They were kind yeah, of there weird was, too. There was, a, there was a photo, an avid bird or photo in Street Machine used to be the red XF that had them twin tires, didn't it? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of LTD rim, you wouldn't believe it. My motorbike trailer out here that Robert and Bull built for me, it's got Ford LTD rims in, I don't know what, I'll post a photo, I don't know what your model. But do you know what they're actually worth now? No. A couple of cartons yeah. for a set. Yeah, about five bucks each. <laughs> oh, my mate Darren Jackson, he loves Falcon E-Series rims, like those five-spoke alloy directional wheels you get. Yep, yep. And you know what? He's going to be listening to this just going, fuck off, because he knows I'm full of shit. He fucking hates them. And so what I'll do is I'll be at, you know, I'll see them around. I'll send, I'll take a photo of it and send it to him. And I was saw this L300 Mitsubishi the other day with a set on that had been painted black. And I sent him, and he's like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's the wheels you've got. You've got to send me a photo of those trailer wheels. And I'll send it to him and maybe we can, you know, just get his name stamped on them. We'll get those stick-on letters for the tyres and we'll put his name around them as well. That'd be well, you game. know how you often lead me down the path to, to teasing your, your mates I don't know, like Macca, for instance. You know what's happening on Tuesday? I'm actually yeah. meeting Macca for Smoker. He's going to be in my area, so I'm going to meet him. So I was just thinking... Because we've never met face to face, I am definitely going to turn up in my fucking Superman suit. I've got the full cape. I'm just going to, I'm going to play it real stolic. I'm just going to get out and walk up, say, "Hey, go, mate," and just see if he turns and just fucks off. Oh, do yeah, it, do it. Like he doesn't he's... know what Deb looks like, so I might get sit over and Deb just sit in the corner and film it. And I'll just get out and play it really just straight. Oh, hey, go, mate. <laughs> you got to do that. He won't expect anything less, though. Like, he's got a great sense of humour, so he'll probably go along with it. But actually, while we're talking Macca, I've got a bit of a Macca moment I might quickly mention. I'll just squeeze in here. Like, obviously, Macca and I work together, and we usually go out doing separate work. Like, we don't sort of work, you know, on jobs. We don't work together on jobs. So this, you know, particular day, a couple of weeks ago, we actually had to go and meet at a particular job. So anyway... It just happened by chance that I saw him driving in traffic, right? So I'm in my work ute, he's in his work ute, and we're going up through uh, Red Hill, like in Brisbane, like Barden. I saw him a couple of cars ahead of me, so I rang him like on the hands-free, you know, to say day and all that sort of stuff. And so we're having a chat about the job we have to do just as we're sort of driving along. Anyway, as we're talking, he goes, oh, just hang on for a tick, mate. And usually what will happen is he'll go through the drive through like McDonald's and I'll hear him. So I'll start yelling shit out through the, you know, the thing, like, <laughs> whatever, like through to the whoever's serving him in the drive through So I'm thinking, well, he's not going through there because we're in the middle of Barden. Like, what's he doing? Anyway, so I'm like two or three cars behind. He's gone around the corner, so I can't quite see him yet. 
right? I've lost the back of him. As he come around the corner, all I can hear through the hands-free is him yell out, crummy outfit, mate, like this. And I'll, as I come around the corner, here's some guy dresses a piece of bread out the front of a bakery. Like, he's got this big, massive foam thing. So <laughs> here's this guy dressed like a piece of bread, and Mac is doing the old crummy outfit. Like, he's the, the full-on, like, captain of the dad jokes. And I just see this guy... <laughs> He's giving Macca the finger. So as I'm driving past, there's a guy dressed up as a piece of bread giving Macca the finger out the front of this bakery. <laughs> Fuck, it was funny. Hey, um, look, I, I guess I want to get onto some feedback. We haven't done feedback from listeners for quite a while, and I've got some really good stuff here, and I've got kind of a bit of a weird one that I haven't actually shared with you yet, Redmond, so I want to get your genuine, raw response to this. But before we do... Last car for 983, which I've already spoken about, so anyone who's interested could just go back and listen to our old podcast. Like, you should start at number one anyway. That's how all this shit will make sense. But it was Doug Hawkins' Mustang that had the big block Chev, and it was a cover yep. car back in 83 for Street Machine magazine. And it was a really cool thing. Like, it had a full wing on the back and the flex flares and the massive wheels. And it used to have a 428 Ford big block, a really expensive motor that actually blew up. So that's why he fitted the big block Chev. And it was a super cool car. And like I've said to you on previous episodes, it actually got restored back to being a genuine Mac 1 Mustang. Like it was fully uncustomized, which is just, it's just terrible that that happened, let's be honest. But I guess on the, on the purist thing, and now look, I guess to be clear... We don't go out looking to pick fights with purists, right? Like car purists. It's just a retaliation to the sort of shit that they drop on modified cars. And the whole hashtag, fuck the purists, is really taken off. It just started as a bit of a stupid thing to do. But that's actually getting some legs now. But, you know, the thing I always notice, and you might notice this as well, if someone puts up a picture of a, of a stock standard restored car or it might be at a show even people who are into modified cars you'll find that they really appreciate the standard car they go fuck like you know it's a beautiful restoration it's in good original condition christ i saw a vp commodore the other day that was mint and i even thought man that vp is just perfect and same deal the guy who lives up the road for me has got an au falcon it's like showroom condition right so it's kind of the thing where even modified car people can appreciate a restored car or a standard car, but because it just seems to never cut both ways, I think that's why there's a bit of a push against the whole purist bagging shit out of what we like. And um, a good Facebook page, if you're on it, is actually Mopar Nights. Now, this is run by Simon Trawalla and also Dave Green, who are hashtag Moots, the followers of our page and also listen to the podcast. These guys have started a great Facebook page. As much as it's called Mopar Nights, it's actually for any sort of people who are into any sorts of cars. All it is, is just total stuff that's not purist. They actually, like, they sort of, their slogan of, like, ruining classics is actually something they say with pride. So that's a good one to check out, should you get the chance or should you get on Facebook as well. I guess leading on from that, so I'll just barrage you with information. Are you ready to do a bit of feedback, mate? You got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, let, let's do the feedback. We done Kiwi Dave last time. Actually, we didn't. You were talking about with a Ford Escort, was it? Something like that? Go for yeah. it. No, hit me up with that. I just went back through my phone and couldn't find it, but I can remember it. I, I can just about remember it off by heart. We when Kiwi Dave sent me a message that he listened to the, you know how you said the, the, the cover shot of uh, Tough 253 Escort reminded you of the old Bad Boys uh, logo and image from the day? Yeah, yeah. Kiwi Dave was saying he had a Mark to a Mark, I think it was a Mark II Escort, 
And around the tail lights, he put the rear tail lights and the brake lights. He put the angry little eyebrows, so he made them custom made it so it looked like when he hit the brakes, it was the bad boy squint. Oh, and sweet. just he, he, he's good with his he's good with his comments over there. He's one person that can write a very short text, but it's punchy and it's funny. So he, and he writes, but I took them off and I sold it. They were just too valuable. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to say he put white pinstriping over the taillight lenses. That used to be a yeah. trick on escorts and Geminis. You see him all the time. That listen, do you reckon he'd be offended if you told the story about him and the kangaroo when oh, you guys no. were riding? Oh, it's just so awesome. You've got to share it with everyone. Last Tuesday, we went to ride out the back behind my place, and there's a left-hand, right-hand rut. It's about second gear. You just come through there. So I went through the left and then the right, and as I come back to the right, a little rude, like a wallaby, decent. I was actually a decent-sized kangaroo, kind of bounced back past my peripheral vision, and I just noticed Dave's bike here. He's got a it's pretty loud pipe on. I could hear it had shut down or something. That's not unusual. I just picked the bike out, you know, just kind of roll off the throttle of mine, pull the puck, and I look back and see him just sitting still in the rut. Hasn't dropped the bike or anything. So I ride back and I go, did you hit that fucking roux? Because I thought in the left hand of rut, he's coming through it, and the roux came at the front of him and hit him right in the jaw section of the helmet, yeah. trying to, yeah, trying to bounce clean over him. And I had a look in through his helmet, and I'm like, are you all right, dude? And he goes, no, fucking just got hit in the head by a kangaroo. Fuck. Man, but that's lucky, I, eh? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, fuck. Do you want to go home? And he's like, no. Well, fucking, it's the second time I've seen him knocked out on a dirt bike and refuse to drop it. I won't tell the whole story. I will one time, but up to Daintree, he hit a fucking wall, a big dirt wall, and didn't fall off the bike. I've written a piece on it. I've read an article on my blog about it. He smacked him again, refused to drop it. <laughs> yeah. But send me a text Wednesday morning. His teeth went after he hit the roof. Tuesday, his teeth were loose. He's bruised. I'm like, fuck, get your jaw checked out. And he's like, oh, I'll be all right. <laughs> you probably didn't want to explain it to a doctor. Oh, what happened, mate? Oh, yeah, I got hit by a kangaroo in the head. Yeah, that's a bit of a weird one. Actually, just quickly on kangaroos, I hit one of my work ute. It was more the thing, I actually it crossed the road. It was like mid leap. So as I've hit it, it was kind of already in the air, like doing its jumping across the road. And you know, like when you're on a trampoline and someone double, like double jumps you and you go like yeah. three times Spring. higher than normal. Yeah, it did that. It kind of landed and then just sprung off and went, had a bit of a roll and just kept going. But man, it looked funny. I wish I had a dash cam or something to cop that one. It was funny as. Well, I've spent a lot of lot of time out West Cloncurry, Mount I stuff in work. It's, I've never had it hit a kangaroo because I learned how to deal with it. It's common sense, it's physics, and it's science. If, if a kangaroo hits you, you'd normally, you know, at 100 k's, 110 k's, it hits you in the front guard or the bull bar, or worst case, the, the door, doesn't it, the kangaroo? That's where it's Pretty aiming. much. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. If you're on 180 k's a fucking hour, it bounces behind you because you've gone past it. You're going too quick and it doesn't get the chance. <laughs> I like your theory on that. That sounds how, like it'll work. How fucking stupid a kangaroo is, man. You can go from, like, fucking Cloncurry to Alice Springs without hitting a fucking road, and they go, oh, let's go fuck about on the road. <laughs> oh, there's a fucking road train. Let's get fuck with that. Lucky them little fuckers are not delicious. Hey, another good little bit of feedback we got. Was this more of a confirmation of something? And Chad Sylvie, who uh, on uh, Instagram, he's picks by Chado, he actually confirmed for us that the VH Valiant that was on the cover of Street Machine in 1983, the Red Coupe that I spoke yep. about with the 340, that was actually yep. owned by Con Fontague, I think is, is how it pronounces his name. I'm really bad with names. I'm really sorry to anyone who I call their name Smith and I call it Smithus or something like that. It was, yeah, Con Fontague's uh, VH Valiant. So that was the guy that built that. 
So, um, yeah. Also, after um, our last episode, someone just quickly asked, we were talking about Alley Cat, the panel van, and they've asked what the go was with Alley Cat, like if it's still around, and I just should, I guess I should have mentioned it. Alley Cat's actually being rebuilt at the moment. A uh, good mate of mine, Brian, he owned the van, but he actually sold it to another good mate of ours, Russell Smith. He's done like a hell of a lot of undercarriage detailing to it. It's got big brakes on it, but it's all sort of done in the flavour of the original van. Like he's managed to track down the original Meteor front or a Meteor front, which he's doing for it. And it's got like bigger inch wheels now, but they kind of are the same sort of pattern, I suppose, as what the original Anson Hotwise had. And uh, it's coming along, so that'll hopefully actually be back on the scene within the next 12 months or so. Uh, hopefully, yeah, Rusty gets that sorted, but it's wow, still an, it's an awesome car. Yep. I found the poster of that. Remind me to send it to you, too. I found a spare poster of Alley Cat. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. I'd really appreciate that for sure. That'd be great. You're sitting there, no problem at all. All right, cool. Hey, um, look, I'm going to get into some... I'm going to do the positive feedback first, then I'm going to do the negative because you've got to start things as a positive, don't you? <laughs> okay, this is from Tommy Gavin. Now, Tommy, he sent me an email via our Facebook page, which is actually amazing that I got it, seeing, you know, usually I hate Facebook, but here we go. Dear Redmond and Simo, loving the podcast, men. I'm a fucking weirdo, though, as I find myself agreeing, disagreeing, and trying to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> so that's pretty good, and we're glad you're enjoying it, and we're glad you're, you know, getting into it. And maybe, mate, we might get you on one day and you can actually tell us, we'll actually hear what it is you're saying about us. So that'd be a good thing. He was one. Another quick one. It's actually one from overseas. A fellow called Richard Wright in England. And he's actually obviously a UK guy. He's not like an Aussie guy living over there, but he's a UK guy. He somehow found it the Thong Slappers podcast, which is kind of cool. Hi, Simon and Redman. Just wanted to say I discovered the Thong Slappers podcast recently and I'm loving it. I've listened to the first three episodes and a couple of the to the 60s. I'm looking forward to getting through the rest of the podcast in order. I listen to it at work. Helps brighten the day. I'm a pommy but love Australian motorsport, car culture and humour. Anyway, keep up the good work and all the best from England. Cheers, fellas. Rich. And this is a good part. P.S. I forgot to say, I wondered why the V8 sound at the start of the potty wasn't the greatest. It was cool to get that one explained in one of the early episodes. And um, that was good. And Rich, actually, he I sort of emailed him back and forth a bit. And he's, for some living in England, he's got some pretty cool cars, like he and his dad. He's our age, like Richard's sort of early 40s like us. He's got a 71 Ford Torino with a 393 like cube stroke at Cleveland. And his dad's got a 71 Roadrunner with a 512 um, stroke of 440. And he's also got an 85 Trans Am and a few other things. So that'd be super rare cars over in England, wouldn't they, too? Imagine trying to park that road on it. You'd have to park it like Sheffield Station or somewhere to take up the whole. You and I spoke. You spoke to me about Rich and what we're going to do for him is box him up six or ten old old street machine magazines, try and cover off a few different years, and send him over. Send them over to him. We'll just so you try and bring him up to speed a bit. If, he, if he's willing to contribute to us and write an email and, and jump on board, well then we'll we'll respond, mate. No problem. Yeah, for sure. And you know, look, it's it's funny. The stuff, he, he actually gave us some extra information. He saw that we posted a thing about the professionals on our Instagram page, the opening theme, and he sent me a whole heap of information about the Capris and the car and the RS2000s, and it's amazing. Like, we had a few good models of those cars here, but the combinations you could get over there, because they were such a popular car, and, I mean, for sure, that TV show must have done a lot to help boost their sales, surely, with RS2000s and Capris, or the later, the later type Capris anyway. Yeah, well, we were 
giving him a bit of Australian car culture and stuff, and I just wanted to explain to him a bit about being sunburnt. He wouldn't know fuck all about that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's it. Oh, okay, this last bit of feedback I want to speak to you about. This is from a fella. Like, this is the funny part. I think this guy meant to send us this anonymously, but the problem was his email address has got his name in it, so that kind of fucks it up. So, Chris Allen, how you going, mate? If it was trying to be anonymous, you probably shouldn't use an email address which has your name in it. Anyway, Chris writes. Now, he doesn't say, g'day, Simon and Redmond. It's one of these things where it just goes straight into it. There's no hi, there's no goodbye, and I thought, oh, here we go. He writes, for two guys who reckon you know lots about cars, I think you're pretty clueless. The latest engine noise you use on your Bible study segment sounds terrible and the V8 engine in the opening sound is really terrible too. I really don't know if you guys know what a cool engine sounds like. And that's it. That's all he wrote. I don't know, mate. I think, Chris, I think you better look up because there's shit flying over your head at the moment as far as just not being able to get it. I think he's obviously referring to episode 17 when we did the review of Astription Commodores with um, Broads and we changed the theme tune to Bible Studies to the V6 Commodore doing it while well, trying to do a burnout. I think that's what he's talking about. So, because I mean, the other one's Steve Loder and that thing just sounds wicked. And but, yeah, we deliberately use the mang mang. I mean, Chris has got a girl's name. Man, I can go and get fucked. Oh, my God, you're <laughs> about Chris, Chris, sit on your fist or some shit. That's fucking too easy. Oh, look, you know, I don't mind us getting negative feedback. That's how we improve things, especially, you know, a lot of people talk about the quality of the sound and stuff, but we do the best we can do. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't, stars, I don't think we say we reckon we know everything about cars, but we sure as hell don't. That's why we ask questions to everyone all the time. But I don't know, Chris, I put the challenge out to you, mate. Join us on the show one day. Come along, like get in contact with us and, you know, let's see how you go contributing to the show. It's like Rich, just in the earlier feedback, he said that, oh, wow, you know, you guys explained what the opening sound is with the V8 engine. It's actually a 253 Holden. It is a thong slapper. That's why it's supposed to sound that way. And that's kind of the core of what we do here as well. So anyway, I guess that's the thing, Chris. You've got to realize that sometimes you might do things that sound a bit weird on purpose. That's for sure. Uh, and from me, Chris, go get fucked. I back up what Simon said, but go get fucked. Um, <laughs> one thing, one thing I was speaking to you about the other the other day, we were speaking about on the telephone. I'm saying I'm so glad that people don't be smart asses and just spend a lot of time correcting what we say because I'm so fucking dyslexic. Like I called I called that an LX Valiant there one day, and I get my LCs and LJs mixed up. I'm actually dyslexic. I fucking have a real lot of trouble. I say shit backwards a few times, and I'm glad people aren't just being fuckheads. They're just having a bit of a laugh and going, we're not holding us up to anything. Going, Look, these are two guys that are just making a podcast. Salute, whatever. Good on them. Who gives a fuck? My, on that note, my friend Milligan, I went to school with Wayne Milligan, the guy that used to have the HR I spoke about last episode. Yeah. When I used to when I used to write shit at school, like I used to write fucking short stories about people in limericks and shit, just take the piss. He would read them vertebratum, like with my spelling mistakes and all. Fuck, <laughs> he'd have us in tears, mate. He would have us. It was funnier the way that he, because he just pronounced my fucked up spelling, but he could kind of make it all work. And do people get on Facebook and just go, he said, look, they don't. They're not out there correcting us. Because I think people who want to get on there and correct people about, oh, it was actually, you know, a rivet counter. Oh, well, actually, that thing came out with a bench seat, you fucking dickheads. And I, I don't appreciate that we're just allowed to have a little bit of poetic licensing, you know? 
Yeah, I think that's where Instagram is really good too. For the most part, that's kind of what people are like. Like, no one really bags the shit out of anyone else. Like, they're just happy to go along with whatever it is. And that's what we've always tried to do. And anyone who doesn't really want to toe that line as much, like, if they want to bag, like, you know, bag someone else out who actually posts to our page or anything like that, it just doesn't fly, hey? Just, you know, we're too old for that shit. I finished high school nearly 30 years ago, so... Yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me anymore, that's for sure. That's that's what uh, Nigel, my nephew, his wife was saying to me, that she got the, uh, Brocky, the young fella, he got the Street Commodores magazine. I just said to her, how mental is that VL? And she wrote back, I wanted to say that, but I, w- I wasn't sure if it was a shitbox and I was saying the wrong thing. And I wrote back, no. If you like that automatically, it's a yellow Yemen layer and see that dyslexia. It doesn't matter whether it's a lemon yellow I-30. You like it. It instantly box. And Damien Lowe kind of taught me that talking to him. He goes, mate, no one's car is a shitbox. No one's. It's yeah. not to your taste. That's one thing. But it's not a shitbox. No, and that's exactly right. That's how it should be too. So we appreciate like the um, feedback and stuff we get from everyone out there, whether it be good or bad. You know, look, I don't mind bad feedback, but it's got to be accurate as well. <laughs> like, seriously, it was stupid. to get um, Glenn Grant's uh, gift in the mail the other day that, uh, Falcon with the Alan Moffat piss take that was mean. That was hilarious. Bit. Yep, I got a couple of records in a BMX Bandits video cassette, like a full-on stolen VHS from a shop in the eighties. And yeah, that stuff's really cool. We appreciate that. It, it means a lot to us that people make the effort to actually, you know, find stuff for us and send it. It's very cool. So it goes a long way with us. I don't that's know if for you sure. He's picked me so fucking well because honestly, my friends, people, and I would tell you for the last thirty years, I've been a serial mailer. I mail people stuff like, you know, before I, I didn't get an email address until about 2004, I think. So I was always, always been a letter writer. I email people stuff, just stupid, uh, sorry, just post people stupid shit. Hey, speaking of awesome engine sounds, we might get into a bit of Bible studies, eh? Better block hey, your ears, just, Chris. You might not like this one. Hold on, wait a second. My landline's ringing, man. Just let me turn the answering machine on. Hold sure. on. Sure. Right, that'll go through to the message back, mate. I've got my phone now, yep. Stream Machine Magazine, October 2018, with Chris Clout's Black HQ Ute in the cover. Redmond, what are your thoughts? Good magazine, a strong one again. Uh... I don't say that for every magazine because I don't feel that way, but this one's a strong one. Very good. Enjoyed it. When I went into the uh, news agents to pick it up to buy it, the black ute works really get really well against the uh, the font, but I've got some stuff to do on the cover. But where do you want to start? What, what, Mate, what, let's, what? let's start at the start. Go the cover because I prepared myself. So go for the cover. This is, this is the part I hate the most. Let's get over and done with it. Just I'm going to end up in the shower weeing myself crying. If we don't do the cover you, first. Okay, let's do the cover shot. Will you allow me to indulge myself? Here we go. Yeah, of course, always. Right, let's go. Technically, there's two covers, the front and the rear. So everybody, Simon, have you got the magazine there in front of you? I do, I do. Pick it up and put the face down and have a look at the back cover, will you please? Rightio, the Eagle Auto Parts ad. Yeah, right. So, okay, well, the way I was going to start, my first disclaiming line in my part was, we won't mention the company, but you've uh, you've shot early again. Oh, that's just normal, so, mate. Um, Don't panic. 
<laughs> so what, what I just wanted to say about the, the rear cover is how good and, and, and thorough and vibrant and vital is our, our sport, our hobby at the moment. And you can have a look at what's on the back there and have a look at the range we've got. We've got that mechanically injected 350 Chev there. You've got that Windsor. You've got uh, carburetor engines. What are these two on the right, the far right? Is one of them an LSA and one a Mopar or are they both Chevs? I think they're both, yeah, both LS by the looks of it. Yeah, that could be right. One thing that I particularly like is the Windsor and the Rocket Carver 350 Chev. You can see the fuel pump on them. See the little fuel oh, pump? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I'm with yeah. you. So in my tiny little brain and my mechanical ability, I can put a half-inch fuel hose on that, or, you know, three-eight fuel hose on that, put three wires on it, and that fucking engine runs. Yeah, so for me, yeah it's exactly. Like, and the other thing of this rear cover is it's got a bit of sexual innuendo on it as well, which I know is something that you really like, but I just uh, I thought we were a bit more adult than that. But can you see <laughs> no, we're definitely not. <laughs> Amen. Can you see the sexual innuendo? Okay, it's got to be you turn the key. No, <laughs> it can be if you like, but... Have a look at the front of the shaft, the water pump shaft on the mechanically injected 350. See what the word's saying, what? Choose your bolt-ons. Oh, nice. What's another word? Fake titties, bolt-ons. Yeah, yeah, big time. No, I like it. I like it. Well picked. Well picked, sir. What are you going to say about the front cover? I'm not. You're going to do the front cover. There's two covers. Oh. I mean, it does, we, we don't have to say anywhere. That it's a cover, so that is the rear cover. So I'll give it over to you, so I'm out for the front cover. I'll take it All from right. the rear. <laughs> Please get at that. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> oh, everyone's just listened to that because I'm not editing that out. Right. Um, okay, front cover. This is what I said. Now, the front cover to me, you look at the picture of the black ute, you can see the black ute and see the bonnets cracked open. And what's the thing you can see the most with the bonnet cracked open in the engine bay? Two turbos or the intake? Two turbos, correct. Yep. Answer A was correct. Now, to me, what I'm thinking with that cover, it's a tease, right? It's a tease for you to go and want to see more. And those two turbos sitting in that front cover, it's kind of like when you see a wet T-shirt with the high beamy nipples hanging through it. You know, like nipples like Bricky's thumbs through the wet T-shirt, right? It's like that. So it's like a tease, like you know there's something awesome going on underneath, but you have to open it up to actually have a look. So you may get that's sticky pants. Possibly, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> it's funny. Speaking about wet t-shirts, right, which is always a great thing to talk about on chicks. Do you remember the Leyland Brothers TV show? You know, travel over the countryside. The opening credits had a chick wearing a, a wet t-shirt with no bra, jumping out of the water with like high yes. beams. Right. Nothing You imagine, can you even remotely imagine trying to do that and get away with that now? There'd be no fucking way in hell, no way in the world according to Garp, that you could actually get that done. Like, it's just amazing how much things have changed, hey? Like, that would just be, even if they replayed Leyland Brothers now, I bet you that part would have to be edited out. And it's, it's sad, really, because titties are victims in this whole thing. I mean... Why should they be covered? <laughs> why should they be covered up and put in the back of a ute somewhere? Why can't we have titty magazines? I've said it before. The first thing a newborn baby sees is titties. Yeah, that's you true. Know? What? Yeah. 
What's wrong? I did have something that I wrote about the front cover that I've just seen here, and I actually changed my mind, but I'll, I'll read it out to you because I've written it. I just And then I changed, decided to do the rear cover. But what I've said is, see the top left-hand side, how to revive mag wheels? Yeah, that was a good story, actually, yeah. Doing a mag wheel change is, or doing anything with mag, even the word mag, wheels or whatever, it's, it's a pretty cool little article to be in this magazine with a whole nude on the front. It's it's meat and three spuds, you know, it's I kind of yeah. did. And that's when I decided to change and do the, the rear cover. That's pretty cool just to spot that up in the corner. Like, yeah, well, we have, you know, we're not just totally a bunch of wankers yet. Well, I mean, most of us are, let's be honest. But I, I, I guess mo- <laughs> moving on. Hey, I'm with Stupid, remember? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with Stink. <laughs> hey, um, moving on. What was your rig of the month? Rig of the month is the same as yours. I'm absolutely sure. It's a, I'm, I'm the same. I'm sure it's the same as a lot of moots out there. JZ350. Oh, fuck, yeah, John Ziegler's Ute. Yeah, look, I'm going to have a big ranting rant about that. Do you want to just say your piece about it first before I just totally tsunami you with my information about it? I do have uh, a a bit that I've written about that, but this is some of the contact that I did. I really wanted you to do the JZ350 for me because I'm being selfish, but I'll I'll give you the stuff that I wrote. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Uh, Firstly, there's a bit of sexual innuendo in the whole story, the photo shoot and everything. I... I, I thought right. you guys were a bit more adult there at Street Machine, but it's fairly fucking sexual innuendo. That, uh, what page number is the second photo on? Ah, oh, 69, dude. Yes. And when you have a look at the, the photo shoot, I'm getting the subliminal meaning. I'm picking it all up. See how it's uh, got a mirror image? Yeah, yep. And you turn the magazine upside down, it looks like one ute on top of the other, and the one on the bottom is right in the middle of the wet spot. Oh, that's a good connection. Yeah, uh, yeah, for okay, sure. I know what you guys are doing. Don't try and get this man over the line with me. I know that you are all <laughs> filthy, filthy-minded men, and all you ever think about is that kind of stuff, but I'm just trying to keep it clean for everybody. There's fucking kids listening out there. <laughs> You're the one telling the story. That's probably the, the blanket answer from everyone at Street Machine Magazine right now. You are telling the story. <laughs> from everyone, the, the listener from Street Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Big hello to Bob Cottmell out there. How's it going, Bob? I like the Volkswagen in your um in your article, Bob Cottmell. Right. Um. Yeah, but that's mine. What I really wanted to do, uh, quite unselfishly, was have you give us that. Ah, the writers. I've always said that the writers of Street Machine who write the article is something that I'm interested in. I'm well, I'm willing to back that up. And I did like the way that you wrote the first paragraph or two in uh, the JZ350. That's I have said to you quite a number of times, and I've said it to a few people. When the writers put something in, they're like, this was meant to be quick cleanup, and then it got out of hand. That drives me mental. That's not really writing. That's just kind of, you know, I don't, yeah, it's a bit of pulp. And then when they also write, Jono didn't put a stereo in it because he really loved the sound of the engine. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> but what I talk about your first paragraph is you fed it to it a little bit, eh? and I thought that's right on the edge, yeah, that must have been right on the edge of Val tells red pen. Oh, if I can just say, I look, I obviously chose this for rig of the month, and can I just make sure that I make it nice and clear now? It's got nothing to do with the fact that I wrote the story, right? I love this shoot, and I have to say, it was an absolute fucking honour of mine to be the person who got to write this story and actually speak to John Ziegler Jr. and get all the information about it, because, you know, when I was a real young guy, like I'm talking 
probably, you know, nine or ten. I got an old Custom Vans and Trucks magazine number six, and this ute was featured in there when it was green, went in the techno guys. If you look over the page on page 70, you'll see the, the photos, the green photos from that. This is That's how it looked in Mad Max, right? Anyway, so for me, it was an absolute honour. Jenny, and I'm not saying that to sound like a cockhead. I'm actually saying that because I mean it. It was an absolute honour to write this story. And there's a handful of stories I've done over the years where I actually feel that way, where it was a privilege for me to do it. And that was basically how it was with this. And the thing that makes it as well, Nathan Jacobs, those those photos you took are fucking awesome. Like, he's, he's a good guy and he knows his work. Those photos are amazing, eh? Like, yeah. it looks so cool, that thing. And, look, the car, the reason I'm so passionate about it and the reason why I may have probably leaned a little bit, like, I'm not trying to, I guess, put up the force field before it hit the hit the shelves or anything like that, but I've seen this ute copper hiding from purists over the years, like in more recent years, like on Facebook I, and all that, I, and I just cool. think, fuck, like... In Australia, we just give our custom heritage zero credit, whether it be custom panel vans or even, you know, even stuff which people, you know, have no real reason to find ugly, like, say, 50s and 60s custom, or, sorry, mainly 60s and 70s custom FJ Holdens and FX Holdens and stuff like that. Like, in America, their custom heritage or their modified card heritage is treated. They have museums for the fucking things, you know? Whereas over here, people just slag and bag and carry on with it. And I sort of just wanted to make people think, hey, let's just put our opinions aside and just read about and learn something about this ute. When you remember, this thing was basically customised from the minute it left the showroom floor. Like, by 1977, so it was only two years old, it was looking how it was in Mad Max. Like, as in the green feature from um, Custom Vans and Trucks 1977. And I guess that was kind of... I wanted to try and head the haters off at the pass in those opening couple of paragraphs to actually... I don't know, maybe try and get people to open their minds and see exactly what this ute has to offer as far as heritage and also the fact, to this day, it fucking looks so cool. It's one of my favourite, probably the favourite Holden ute tail ever. The fact he's got those twin tail lights joined together, he's joined two sets of lights together vertically. It looks awesome. The rear wing looks tough as. And even the little things, like the fact that you see there's like a, a seam line in the tailgate pressing and also the way the number plate is all yeah. offset. It's very asymmetrical. And even the grill, you'll see the grill's off to one side too as far as the centre gap goes. But there is probably no other street machine in Australia that has the history or the fact that it's such an iconic thing as this ute. And I put that challenge out. And look, hey... You guys know that I love iconic cars and I'll rave about iconic cars and stand up for iconic cars as much as I can, whether it be the Terminator or Gas 69 or anything else from our street machining heritage. I will be at the forefront of defending them to any purist. Okay, so when I say that this is top of the pops, I'm really meaning it. And I feel like I'm coming from a bit of an educated background with this stuff. But I think the thing, Redmond, that I wanted to bring up and you might find interesting as well Check out this ute compared to Chris Clout's HQ that's on the cover with the WB front. What you've got to remember is these are basically two identical body styles being HQ to L, I guess we can call it HQ to WB ute shells. The, the difference in the build styles between the two, you know what I mean? You've got essentially the same car and just how different that exact same car can be built compared between the two different versions of it. And that's really impressive if you ask me. Yeah, it'd be good when we see uh, hauling ass, that hauling ass ute in about 
you know, 20, 30 years through a few different builds too, it'll, it will have changed shape and character as well. I really, really like my favourite photo, my favourite incantation of JZ350 is the black as the sorcerer. Oh, really? I really like it okay. as that. Yeah. I, I actually haven't said that. I probably like it better now than when it was green. I love it when it's wow. green. But you yeah. can order it. It'd be the sorcerer, its current form, and then the green ute. Okay, yeah, look, I'm probably the opposite end of the scale for you. I like the green version as techno, then I love the current version, then Sorcerer comes in third for me. So that's okay, though, because when you and I build replicas, I'll do the green version, you'll do the Sorcerer version, and there'll be the real version as Black Magic. So we'll have all three covered that's off. That's when we open the Thong Slappers Hall of Australian Street Machining fame. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't that be the guy? Um, you, know, you know the first person I'm employing, don't you? I hope it's me. Rex Webster. Fair enough. That works for me. Yeah. Yep. I guess I'll be in the board of directors with you already anyway. You'll be you'll be the synergy manager. <laughs> oh, fuck. What the fuck does that even mean? Seriously. I don't know. What synergy You're going forward that you can, you know... Is, is synergy something you do once you touch base with someone? Is that what all that is? Is it the same Pretty sort joyful. of shit? You know what I was trying to do with, you know, on the cover where it says hauling ass? Yeah. I was sitting there yesterday with my finger trying to make it a ruder word. Like, <laughs> Are you still using the magazine? Yeah. <laughs> like trying to make it ling ass, and I was trying to make it yuling ass. And I thought, well, it just says ass, so they fucking dupe me there anyway. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't make it any fucking ruder than it is. If you <laughs> if you were to pick a, um, a tough shot. Ooh, okay. All right. Tough shot. Now, look, I've kind of combined my Action Jacksons and tough shots into one. So I'm going to just run through them quite quickly because, you know, otherwise it's going to drag on forever. Page 8, that American Falcon jacked up doing the burnout yeah. at Power Cruise USA. That orange thing, that looks Long tough. Slap. I love the Long rate. Slap yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, page mate. 11, if you look at page 11, you'll see Lynchy there doing a burnout at Hoonigan, that place every, in America, on that same trip. They put Lynchy in Street Machine, we're going to mention him. I've yeah, fair enough here. too. Yep, yep. sorry, you carry well, on, yep. Mate, that burnout he did, and you know, even the other guys who were doing the same thing as well, like Rod Waters and um, oh fuck, I just had a mental blank. What's the other fellow? Brasher, Mick Brasher. Sorry, Mick, Mick Brasher with his as well. They just went crazy. The Hoonigan guys, just, I think the Australians shook the world with their burnout capabilities. I think they've really opened some eyes over there, and good on Gup for getting that organised and getting the guys over there. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, page fifty-two. The black Trans Am smoking the tyres. It yep. looks like it's hanging sideways, which I think is pretty... It's probably obviously just static burnout, but it looks like it's kind of going sideways, smoking the tyres. And, you know, with a recent passing, of course, of Burt Reynolds, I think it's a very fitting photo, and it looks super tough. Super tough, anyway. Yep. Flick forward, page 59. You've got Rod Waters doing a burnout in that cranky HQ. Yep. I love the angle of that photo down low, and I love the fact you can see like the blower spinning like crazy. It's like one of those photos, you know, we talk about you can hear the photo. That's one of those for sure. And the um, fact that the security guards aren't trying to remove his fucking kidney. Yeah, yeah, that's always a bonus. Um, page 81, Benny Circles, TD Cortina, the green thing. The thing I love about that, it looks like it's launching and smoking the tyres at the same time. As in, it looks like it's launching yeah. hard, not wheels off the ground, but, you know, it's like it's launching hard. Um, smoking the tyres, this kind of reminds me of when you're on a dirt bike and you're doing a mono, but you've got a rooster tail happening at the same time. It's that kind of thing to me. Um, and lastly, page 101, Larry Cog and his LJ Tirana giving it, giving it stick at that um, hill climb. 
and there's a great photo to also quickly on page 104 of the um, the Carnage Barina smoking a tire as well, which looks pretty <laughs> Those, tough. The fucking freaks beating the piss out of that Barina. <laughs> yeah. How about you, mate? What do you got for uh, Action Jackson slash special mention slash tough yeah. shots? Action Jackson, I need you to turn page 79 to have a quick look. Yep. Me 79. Uh, what I don't see, caption number three. It's uh, John Kerwin Walker. Yep. I've actually re- that's him actually being the action Jackson, not his car. So I've recaptioned this. See the caption. All right. Says, uh, I recaptioned it and it says uh, he's bailing out of his pastel humpy. I changed the caption to John rips the world's elitist level fart on the bench seat of his Holden. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to bail. Number two, I've got um, Lynchy holding his Corolla flatter than hammered shit. And like I said, every time they put him in a street machine, I'm going to mention him. It's an unblown engine in that thing. It's in a four-door general issue Corolla fucking that anybody can have. It's The devil's in the throttle in that thing and the way that he can drive it. And I think oh, it's, yeah. we, we spoke once before about cars that you can – there's all different levels. You can aspire to certain cars. I think most of us could probably knock up an LS1 or buy one, you know. And, yeah, and most yeah. of us – the car's actually very well built. When I've seen some more photos, it's not just a normal crawler. He's done very well with the tin work and stuff in the car. But just the way he gets out and wails on it and beats on it, it's got no blower. I read some once he's, he's spun a bearing, so he's done like a 900 buck rebuild on the fucking thing or something, just rings bearings and really got a lot of time for that car. And he's a showman. He's like Fred Brophy. You know Fred Brophy from the boxing yeah, tent? Yeah, yeah, that's who the boxing tent. This has been a bit lofty, but he has that aura about it. And when he turns up, man, it's something fairly above and beyond, you know. Yeah, big time. One more. Page 101, that LJ that you picked as well. Yes, yep. The thing that uh, gets me about is if you look at the tyre, how much it's actually rolling on the bead. Yes. <laughs> and that, He's into that, it. That's a, good, that, that's a bit of steering in a car. It's not just a, a you know, licorice strip 35 series tyre on an SS Commodore that you know gets drifted. That is actually a bit of steering and a bit of control and a bit of driving to, to bend the tyre a little bit and have that feel and probably something that I'm more used to, I, you know. And good on him, too, for using a triangle like that for what it's intended for. Yep. Give us your tough shot. Tough shot. Um, oh, page 54, Tony Netzel, 61 Belvedere with a big block chef, the green thing at Power Cruise USA. Just yeah. cruising. Just something, it, just looks, it just looks like it's going to eat everyone in its way. The alien. Like yep. Children, women, men. Dogs, yep. cats, it just looks like it's going to mow everything down. It's just, yeah, giant, it seems ginormous, that thing. And I do really like on page 89 the engine bay of John Sayers Capri. It's just, I don't know how he got that much shit into a Capri engine bay, but that looks really tough too. It's just neat and tidy, and it just looks mean as that thing. Fucking Yeah. How about yourself, mate? My tough shots, you have to open the page. I've got them here quickly. Uh, page 32. And it's uh, caption one and caption three. <laughs> Have a look at caption one. Jesus, yeah, I see what you're saying. Job, I'll read it out. Yes, that's Rocco in a rock pow- in a rocket powered go kart that helped develop that he helped develop back in the US in 1980. It went 5.9 at 253, so 253 miles per hour, and is still the fastest go kart in the world. <laughs> it's on display at the New York Motor Museum. Look at the Channel Nine helicopter behind it. That's just incredible, isn't it? You imagine going that quick in something that's like the size of two humans. That's unbelievable. Imagine stacking it at that speed. You just you just pulverise, wouldn't you? 
That's crazy. And caption three. Can you see him on that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, crazy horse. Yeah. Let me read it. It's funny. The aptly named crazy horse was a drag bike powered by an injected 320 Chev and Chev. It had no clutch, so Rocco rocked it off a cradle with the wheel spinning takeoff. Yes, it spat him off a few times. Fuck. Fucking As it was. But just imagine doing that for the first time. How you go. It's like the first person who discovered that petrol was flammable or that portion of crude oil. It'd be like the first time you tried putting that thing down. Oh, that's all right, mate. Just just get it up off idle and just rock it off the cradle and let's see what happens. <laughs> my my mad man. Page, page 84 is John Sad's uh, Capri for the yes, for yep. tough shot. Not so much for the car, but for the tough shot. A few years ago, I was talking to a photographer. I always used to try and take photos of my car in a park or in a fucking nice garden or in front of an ocean or something. Then the, the photographer who works for a magazine told me, no, no, take photos in its natural setting, you know, like in a workshop or in an industrial area or something. And this really speaks to me in that, the way the car's set into the photo, the bricks. It's a very yeah. good – there you go. It's Chris Thurgood, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a great photo. Oh, look, I couldn't agree more. And it's a pretty tough car too. And, um, you know, he's obviously got quite a stable of nice cars. So, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. another cool thing to see. I'd love to see that in, in the flesh one day. Mate, have you got a poster child for me? I have got a poster child. Do you know what I've done? I actually picked <laughs> the holding butt. I had to cut my magazine up. I mean, the fucking thing cost me, what was it, 9 bucks 95 but I cut it up. And I cut JZ350 out. I glued it together. <laughs> I had to do it, man. Fuck it. So I had to make my own poster. So no offense to the two gentlemen. They're two cars. They are brilliant. But I couldn't I couldn't let the JZ350 go without being a poster. I'm also a main poster. <laughs> Look, you know, I agree with you. I think especially, too, with the quality of those photos of Nathan Jacobs, that whole thing of black magic, the Ziegler Ute, that thing was just asking to be a poster, right? And especially too, it'd be the sort of poster you'd see. It not only helps promote the whole thing about, you know, like our classic, fuck, I shouldn't say classic, sorry, our old school modified cars. It might help promote the acceptance of those. But just the fact it's an amazing photo, an amazing car, but that in itself is why I don't run the magazine because I'd probably drive it into the ground as a, as a financial failure. So I can understand why they do pick the cars that they did pick. See, if it was me, my poster child, the two sides would be the Ziegler Ute and the Batmobile, right? And um, I want to have a bit of a chat about that Batmobile quickly, but uh, poster child was Rick Galloway's XB hardtop. I, I, you know, look, I think the thing with Rick's that I really like is the fact that He's just gone outside the square with those stripes he's put on it. He hasn't just done a GT mock-up or he hasn't just done a plain car with wheels. He's actually decided to just do something a little bit different and he's done those that stripe work, which I think is kind of pretty cool. It just makes it something... It just makes it stand out from all the other hard tops, as far as I'm concerned. It's a great car. And when you just said, and if you ran the magazine, you would put this... At, if I ran it, I would definitely... As a, I'd have a centerfold. I'd just have a DFPB or a big set of titties in there. It would be banned and illegal and <laughs> shut down. Yeah. No more That's probably why I fix bulldozers and trucks. See, this is why Telf runs it, because he actually will run it at a profit, whereas we just end up burying what you know, burying the legacy magazine due to bad management on our part, so, <laughs> or being sued for photos like that. I just steal all the old magazines out of the office, eat all the shit in the fucking crib, I'd smoke the ute, I'd put stupid shit on their fucking stuff, start arguments, and pretty much what I do at work. I reckon we might be on the same page with the reader's ride as well. Oh, look, could be. But if I can just quickly mention, just a couple of quick special mentions that I've just found in my notes here. I just want to quickly say about Chris Clout's engine bay in his HQ ute, the black thing on the cover. 
I just love the way it's so clean and tidy. And the thing I wanted to quickly mention is he talks about just using black, chrome or polish as the only surfaces there. It reminded me of oh, years ago, probably in the early 90s, I got a feature here of a hot rod in Australian street rodding magazine. It was a feature from of an American hot rod. The car's painted red, but the guy did the interior in a way that when you open the door of a colour photo and you see the red exterior and the doors open, the interior looks like a black and white photo. It's as if the interior right. section of the photo has been somehow photoshopped to look black and white. But it's not, of course. What it's actually done is the colours he's used, there's not one speck of colour in the interior. He's, it's all silver, white, black, greys. It's all those sorts of colours put together. So you swear that it's a colour photo with a black and white interior, like a black and white photo for the interior. It's really okay. clever. And um, it kind of reminded me of that for some fucking stupid reason, but that's kind of what I like. It's just chosen those certain, certain colours and it works really well, but I'm going to really try hard to dig up a photo of that hot rod so I can try and explain it. The old picture tells a thousand words, but it's really clever, the detailing some people go to. But on that, I just really have to try, and I know we're running out of time, but I just want to quickly jam in here. Andrew Cox's Batmobile, we can't finish this episode without talking about that car. That, to me, that was the closest runner-up runner up for Rig of the Month I've ever had in the time we've been doing this podcasting. For starters, he built it with his dad, David, and what a father-son project that thing would be. But I've, I've said to you before, Red, I love like um, projects that are done as themes. I love the detail work that goes into it and the attention to detail people put in. So check out all the stuff like in the interior of that. It's just crazy, like all the all the special like um, bat paraphernalia stuff, like the the sprays and this and that he's got for it. It's all detailed to the eyeballs. I love the fact he's got the little gas flame coming at the back too, That's and crazy, it? it is. It's an amazing car. It's an amazing build, even to the point of having the little bats on the wheels come to a you know when he pulls up they come to a dead stop and sit horizontal i think that's really cool and man my hat goes off to him and his dad for, for that project and if you can't appreciate that car i'm sorry but there's something wrong with you forget the fact it's a batmobile but the build of that car is amazing and you know there was some fuckwit already gave it a slag on facebook saying oh what a waste of a rare lincoln continental to build that how the fuck can you even think that when it's the batmobile seriously and he won't be saying that when the Joker's robbing the fucking bank and he needs something. <laughs> That's right. But look, the commitment to that build is what I'm in awe of the most. I think it's just a fantastic thing. And, and you know, kudos to Street Machine Magazine for actually featuring that and giving it the credit it deserves too. I wish I was a fucking superhero. <laughs> Red Man? Is that a you? Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. But it'd be fucking cool if I was. Anyway, yeah. Um, I think it shows a good bit of a good bit of parity of street machine to put cars in there that aren't. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. I think it does show a bit of health in the magazine as well. Let's you know, let's put something in there that is, isn't average everyday car. There's only one of them cars. I think it's it's pretty healthy for them to put it in there. Especially too, and the way they went to all the detail about how it actually came together. It's not just a photo of the Batmobile all finished. It's like showing the body, you know, they've got the fiberglass body and all the bits and pieces they went to and the work and the effort that went into that car to make it what it is. And I think it's outstanding, so good on them. Hey, hey I quickly interrupted you, and my apologies, you were about to talk about Reader's Rides, mate. Reader's Rockets. So, uh, without any Reader's further ado. I just chose that Metal Flake HQ of um, 
Christopher, Christopher Davis. Davis. Yeah, yep. it's a great story in there about how the build come about and bits and pieces. But it's actually a great looking car. I like the stance. I like the Simmons, the Starlight Foundations actually sewn into the, the headlight covers. Uh, just because we're running out of time, something else that on the last couple of days I've been flicking people texts. What'd you choose for Smoody? Yeah, so, yeah. This what they chose, Jason Lowe. That's Chubby's brother, good fella. He wrote back. I chose the red EHU, mate, and I text back. So did I. So I sent it to Chubby. What'd you choose? And he wrote, to be honest, mate, I can't vote because I have too many friends' cars in there. So I sent it to <laughs> First world problems. Broads is a fucking funny stance. So I sent it late last night to Broads. Who'd you vote for in Smoody? I can't fish for shit, but fuck, I can drink, though. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Yeah, fair so, enough. Uh, <laughs> so Benny Hewitt, I sent it to him, and he, and he writes back, um... Fuck, man, that's like asking what my favourite song is, which is K-San. So, yeah, another fucking excellent answer. So, so, so Benny, his vote for, for Smoody is K-San. Is K- that what you're telling me? Yeah, great, great answer, Benny. So that was just a quick flick around of people asking about this Smoody. But, um, hey, shoot us your DM us your Smoody choices. And, and, ah, Matt Waters, sorry. Matty Waters, you know, Matty Waters. Uh, yeah, yeah. young fella. He writes back, fucking blowing 253 Escort with a fong slap. It's felt that way. What else? Question mark, question mark, question mark. An absolute fong slapper. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I ask. Good on, Matty. He's, uh, the, he's the oldest young bloke you'll ever meet, and that's awesome. Yeah, but so also uh, Brett, at, Brett Abraham at Car 35, he writes back, hmm, I think the Cortina, or maybe it was something else that I really liked. Oh, fuck, I hate voting. It's too hard to pick one. So <laughs> right back. Great fucking answer. <laughs> You know, the biggest problem is here, you should have sent this to people first thing on Monday morning when they're at work and they're unmotivated and they're looking for any excuse not to do work. Instead of sending, you give it on fucking Saturday night. Everyone's like pissed or out having a great time. Obviously, by well, their answers, they're out having a great time relaxing. I mean, they are the better answers than if you just got normal answers, though, let's be honest. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, can I can I say just something quickly? And yes, Christopher Davis's one tunnel was my reader's rocket as well. And the whole story that goes behind it, like Starlight Foundation, obviously, you know, massive and kudos to them for you know what they've helped Christopher achieve. One thing I actually just want to say I really like about the car, besides the paint, besides the Simmons, which you've already touched off on, I love that he's got a Statesman. Is it the Deville grill? It's not the normal Caprice grill. It's the Deville. They're a tougher-looking grill, in my opinion. I like the fact he's used that. So that's all I wanted to add about that, mate. Yeah, no, it was an excellent car. It was uh, definitely a standout car, but it was also a great issue, a strong issue. I really liked it. I've still got lots and lots and lots to read in it, but... I agree. It just goes from strength to strength, and it just shows that the car scene is so strong at the moment. When when Reader's Rockets are all basically feature-worthy cars, man, that says a lot about you know how good people are building cars these days and the passion that's out there. So kudos because, to everyone who's into hot cars and not a purist. Because we can't, we can't do a uh, three-hour podcast. Otherwise, we would just do the magazine front to back. We would just do the, the, every single page and do it. But feel free to send us... Your thoughts on? I was saying to Brett, participate. Like, send us through some stuff. If you like the Camaro in there, if you like uh, the blowing LX, whatever, just send us through your thoughts. We're happy to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. It's just our, inter- so, our yeah. interpretation of the magazine. Plenty, plenty of good fodder in there, as we call it. Most definitely. Mate, looking ahead for episode 20, for starters, can you believe we're up to episode 20 next? No, it's pretty cool. 
It's very cool. Very cool, I must admit. And um, we've got to crack on with a year from the 90s. We've got to get out of this 983 and get into the 1990s of some description. Have you got a year of preference? No, because then we got to get fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers and fucking Pearl Jam and fuck me, do we have to? Can't we just... (laughs) Why won't you let me stay in the 80s? Oh, look, listen, I'd rather stay in the 80s too. So if you want to stay in the 80s, fuck, man, we're the boss. We can do whatever we want. If you want to stay in the 80s, choose another year from the 80s. Oh, I didn't expect that. I was just having a rant. Sorry, what were we talking about? No, I don't give a fuck. Just choose whatever year you want. Like I said, it's up to us. We're not having to pander to anyone. You just choose a year you want. What about make Australia great in 88? Done. Let's do 988. Expo. I'll tell you about the story about the guy punching me at an Expo Fun Park. How's that? (laughs) Did you loosen the wheel on a push bike, you fucking cunt? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, mate, just finding trouble. It's just how it happened. I don't know. I don't a lot know. of this, a lot of this bad luck that I've had lately comes from when I went to Sydney. I got into a fucking fight with a Buddhist monk. How the fuck does that happen? How does that happen, actually? We were. We got uh, my sister dropped me off at the train station on the Saturday morning. We were going into. Sydney to stay in a, a nice motel in there, and we're going out Saturday night at the Rocks, Queen Deborah and I. So Saturday morning, we're walking through the streets, and I'm gibbering like a monkey. I'm, I woke up excited. I had, like Deb took one look at me Saturday morning and goes, oh, fuck. So we're walking down through the street, and just there's some guys abseiling, cleaning cleaning some windows. So I'm just there telling her and just pointing and just being excited, you know, 7.30 in the morning, five coffees or something, and just quite blindsided. Someone I'll say that was dressed as a Buddhist monk, because that's, that's how I'll say it turns up and says to me, oh, it gives me a prayer card. Righto, so he hands yeah. me a prayer card. And I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. So I'm kind of blindsided. And he's smiling. I'm like, oh, you know, I smile back. Cool, you know. Thank you. And then he puts a rosary on my wrist. You know, well, the, the Buddhist rosary, like, you know, to count your prayers, you know, the beads on Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, but he gives me his book. And he says, oh, can you sign my book? And I'm like, I'm really starting to get into it. I'm like, fuck. So I draw a set of titties and write Redmond on it. Oh, <laughs> Oh, all in good for No, that's everybody else. Even Buddhist love. <laughs> so then he, he smiled and then he goes to me, he, he says the word that kind of blew it, just, he goes, donation. And I went, yeah, no worries, kind of bits, kind of, yeah. So I go in my pocket and I got some change there, you know, two or three bucks change, and he goes, no coins. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm a bit blindsided. So Deb goes, oh, I got some money. She pulls out and she's got two $5 notes. And he kind of goes to grab him. So I grab his dead hand. I said, I fucking give him one. So I'm like, one. And he goes, he, he goes, two, two. And he's trying to get him. So I step in front of Deb, in between Deb and him. And he's like a fucking Jack Russell going for a smacko, man. He didn't give a fuck about me. He's still trying to go for this other $5 note. So I'm like, fuck you, you know. Fuck off, mate, you know. <laughs> so then he still, so to me, it felt like he was trying to kind of get the money out of Deb's hand. So. I step really properly in between him and kind of push him back and start calling him a thief and going off and fuck. I pull my rosary off, like the beads off, and throw him on the ground. So then the whole crowd just sees me going off and fucking him. Who's in the right and who's in the wrong if you didn't know? Oh, uh, you just look like you're in the wrong. Sorry, even if that, you're not, you just don't right. look like it. Yeah. I tell him to fuck off or whatever, throw the prayer card, and he ends up with five bucks. So it just really pissed me off, mate. That's just that's, <laughs> that's just been the, I told him. You're just a fucking thief. And he was. <laughs> so if we get back to the motel room, we go out that night, we do a tour of the rocks, had a whole lot of fun, but the way the night ended was perfect. shit face, had a big night. I washed my hands and face. We've been out, tea, drinks, everything. As I'm getting into bed, Deb walks across in the lamp and goes, put your arm out. So I put my arm out. 
when I was arguing with this guy through the razor, she must have went and picked it up. So she just popped mm. it back on my, she got a little knot tied in the elastic or I broke the elastic and just popped it back on my arm. I got my fucking rosary back. I just thought that was so cool. But <laughs> that also started a run of bad luck that I had that month that you know about. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I don't believe in any weird shit, but except for karma. Only because I've been on the good and bad sides of it a few times over the years. So that's the thing I'd, you know, the only kind of weird, strange, odd thing I don't is karma. I don't believe in karma. It's about useless fucking aromatherapy. I don't give a It doesn't fucking exist for me. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just kick, I'll just bludgeonly fucking mind numbingly go my way around about my life as I do. I don't believe in karma. But I, you know, I won't say it on this podcast, but you know the luck of run I had from basically that weekend on the job. Now. Yeah. Scary, mate. Scary. But mate, well, Maybe you can cut all that out and we'll make it to the 60 out of it. See how we go. <laughs> no worries. Hey, um, looking forward to chatting to you about 1988. So I hope you had better luck in 1988 than you had after, you know, dealing with the, the monk anyway. You know, he, he was an alleged monk. He was a guy, he was, he was a thief dressed as a monk. <laughs> Fair enough. Rightio, that wraps us up for episode 19. So, of course, if you want to um, send us anything, you can follow us at Instagram at the Thong Slappers and just direct messages via that or email us, thongslappers, one word, at optusnet.com.au and we'll do our best to get back to you. So thanks everyone for listening and Redmond, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Hey, thanks, uh, Queen Deb, St. Lucie, Simon Telford, Macca, anybody, uh, Glenn Grant. Again, if I could mention all three and a half thousand names, I'd say it. <laughs> That'll be a good two to the 60 for you one day, mate. Oh, we should too. Although I'm yeah. people get the wrong names. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, folks, we'll chat to you in episode 20. Looking forward to it. Cheers. See you, mate. See you, Simon. If you don't take that fucking part out where I talk about me being bumjacked, I'm going to send you a cock photo every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs>